You're listening to Got Tech, the podcast with your hosts, Eric Geis and Nick Johnson. Welcome back to Got Tech, the podcast. This is episode 78 called EdTech Show and Tell. In this episode, we'll share some of our favorite EdTech tools, tips, tricks, and shortcuts that we use in our teaching practice. This is another episode you don't want to miss. Check it out. So we're approaching 80, I guess, now. That's pretty cool. I'm telling you, it seems like we're doing these more frequently, even though we're not doing them more frequently. Yeah. Well, time in general is like flying by. I could have swore it was still January. And I looked at the the date uh, as we're recording this in real time. Of course, if you're listening, it's going to be different. But today, as of right now, it's February 11th, which means it's the middle of February. And I have no idea how that happened. It's no, it's shocking. It was just New Year's. It was just yeah. New Year's. So uh, let's just talk a little bit. I mean, you're mentioning how time's flying. I mean, how's that uh, newborn of yours? How old? How old is she? Yeah, not. I guess not. I don't really know what technically counts as a newborn, but she doesn't feel just the past couple of days. It's like not. Um, she looks almost like a human. Instead of being just some sort of a weird, I don't even know, I don't even know what, but like actually like looking around at things, I feel like she's actually seeing me. And when she sees my wife, she smiles like crazy. It's pretty cool. But she's, I mean, it's probably not that big a deal yet because she's only seven weeks in like two or three days, something like that. So... But who's counting, right? Yeah. Seven, no, no, that's that's kind of funny. I think it's I think it's strange that I noticed there's a certain point where it's weeks and then it's months until they get to like two years old, and then after that you skip to years. Yeah. When uh, when do you skip to years? Is it the two year old mark, and then you kind of stop with the month thing? Yeah, I'm I'm into the whole brevity of everything, so I don't say the months. I just say Briggs is one, Briggs right. is three, Bo is five, right. I don't do the five and a half. So I don't do the three and a half. So it's too hard to keep track. I don't know. I just like whole numbers. It's just easier that way. But yeah, I don't blame you, man. I mean, the only reason I'm even thinking about it is because I was just scheduling some kind of a doctor's appointment and they were asking weeks. But for sure, once we're a little bit out of the weeds here with uh, her being so little, I'm going to try and skip to I guess months. But I want to get to those whole number of years as quick as possible because I, I cannot keep track of all this. Are you taking lots of pictures? Dude, my phone, it's, <laughs> it's all my phone is. I'm trying to pair down too because there's just there's so many of them but uh you can't help it she just does so much like weird funny stuff and you don't want to you don't want to forget it but i guess that's probably normal too right yeah i filled up i filled up a whole like disk drive with Bo. yeah i bet i can't even fill up half of this drive with uh boone and briggs <laughs> collecting right that's that makes sense <laughs> all right so we got kids going on what, what else do we have new uh I, I got something in the mail the other day. I was I was ecstatic. Our uh, friend Brian Carpenter, who just started a new podcast, uh, Fresh Air at Five, he sent us some stickers. So, Nick, I have a sticker for you whenever uh, I see you again next. Sweet. It's pretty sweet. His his uh, graphic design is, is pretty awesome. Love it. Uh, I've checked out his podcast, but uh, I'm encouraging everyone else to check out his podcast as well. The gist of it is he goes for a walk every uh, morning, very early, and uh, he listens to podcasts and he uh, shares a little bit about what he learned during uh, his walk and during the podcast, which he listened. And we've been fortunate 
enough to be mentioned on uh you know his walks and he listens to us so thank you brian and we're looking forward to having him on the show here hopefully sometime soon to talk a little canva versus what's what's the one that he adobe adobe spark uh, yeah he likes adobe spark which for me was always tougher to use but you can do a lot of great stuff with it too so that's it's a cool one I have a feeling this is going to be another one of those clashes of greatness because uh, he's. I've checked out a lot of his work on YouTube uh, when it comes to Adobe Spark, and I think that's going to be an awesome conversation. So we are continuing our work on Clubhouse. Uh, we're giving it a shot every Wednesday at 3.15. We did this yesterday. Uh, today's Thursday, so we had a nice 45 minutes to an hour on uh, Clubhouse. Met a lot of new people and some of our regulars, and uh, a lot of people had a lot of good stuff to share, and some of these things we might even mention a little bit today in our episode. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird doing that because you get some people that are they're just coming in with no connection at all to even education sometimes. I mean, a very loose connection. And it, it's cool to hear, I think there's somebody from the UK and he had something to do with marketing. And he, we were talking about creativity, thinking creativity themed ed tech tools. And he just went off on like what it means to be creative and how you should help people be creative. And, and it at first I was kind of like, well, this is a strange thing to be mentioning, but it did lead to some cool stuff. So I, I recommend checking out our clubhouse room if that's something that sounds interesting to any of our podcast listeners. It's like a weird kind of live version of the podcast just with a bunch of people coming in. So it's pretty been pretty cool. Yeah, it is cool. And, and I, I know exactly who you were speaking of. And we got a lot of great ideas from him. Yep. And we got a lot of great ideas and it kind of, we just post a question at the beginning and then wherever the conversation goes, it goes and it's, it's kind of cool that way. So as far as us, uh, other than being on Clubhouse, we, we are working on another podcast. It's called Flopped the Podcast and that's with uh, our buddy Kyle Nemus. And the whole purpose behind that podcast is to identify ways in which teachers have flopped, how we uh, came across the challenge and and what we did to overcome that challenge. So that's something to keep a look out, uh, look out for. And the other thing is, is our uh, our work that we're doing with our students here at our high school, and we're very close to releasing our website, which hosts. It's a digital hub that hosts student podcasts made by students, and also artwork and writing and anything that we could publish digitally is going to be in this hub. And I think that's going to be pretty special as well. Yeah, we're just putting the uh, final, like the icing on the cake for that website. We want to make sure when it goes live that it's in the best form possible. So Geis has been doing a ton of work. I'm starting to get in there too and contributes uh, a little bits of my own to sort of wrap it up. But we're excited to talk a lot more about that uh, in the next couple episodes. Hopefully when you had a, what, what was the deadline you set for yourself? Sort of a soft deadline, right? Was it the end of February? Yeah, the end of February. I, I just like giving myself a, a date and uh that way, I, I don't know, it's a challenge to myself and it's it's just to help me get serious about it. And I, I think I got to do that with a uh, couple other different avenues of my professional career as well, because I have certain goals that I want to get accomplished this year. And uh, I find that if I don't put a date to it, I just keep pushing it back. So I really got to start doing that and uh, making making things happen. You can follow Got Tech outside the podcast at gottech.com or on Twitter at WeGotTech.
All right, let's let's get into our, our meat and potatoes of the episode, our second segment. And we called this one the EdTech Show and Tell. And it's just because we had a whole bunch of things that we've been talking about back and forth that, you know, doesn't fit into a whole episode. A lot of times we pick a theme. So this time we're just, this is a hodgepodge of stuff. We're getting ready for the smorgasbord, the family picnic, and we just have a whole bunch of stuff that we're bringing along and seeing what sticks. Yeah, so some of these are tools, like actual, maybe a website or an app or an extension. Some are just tips, tricks, and little shortcuts. Like I said, just things that don't really fit in anywhere else. For me, I kind of went to the Google route. So most of mine are little tricks or hacks that you can use within any, or not any, but a lot of the Google platform tools, but some others as well. And, and guys kind of took a different spin on it, but I think that's what's cool about this episode. There might be something for everybody, but just just stuff that we think is cool that we haven't gotten a chance to share. A lot of the times I find these and I try to tell my wife who's the only one around me at the time and she just has no interest. So then I don't really get to tell anyone. Or if I try to tell you, you usually know about these already anyway, so I don't get any satisfaction there either. So hopefully sharing them today will be a good way to kind of spread the word on some of these things. Do you, maybe I should kick it off. I'll just do the first one. Um, Okay, so this I've been using a lot as I create um, Google Doc, like digital packets or worksheets or whatever they are, hyperdocs to push out to my uh, chemistry students because sometimes the document is very long. And I've been doing so much in Google Docs with the hybrid learning that we're doing. It's been hard for me to sort of keep track of what's in that document or I get honestly, just kind of tired of scrolling from page one all the way down to maybe page seven. So I did some research and I found there's a, a couple of ways around that. One of them is like built right into Google Docs. And there's so many tools there that you just, at least for me, I just never pay attention to because I just want to get in and create the thing and share it and be done. But if you're in your Google Doc and you look in the upper left-hand corner, there's this little great little tiny square button. It's kind of grayed out. And if you hover over it, it says show document outline. And if you click that, it opens up a menu in the left-hand side that essentially turns your document, your Google Doc, into a table of contents. It does it automatically. It, it detects different types of headings. It detects when you've spaced down to a new paragraph uh, in your work. So you can see this and you can then click to different sections and it automatically navigates you there within your document. And it's made it way easier for me to keep working on things that are especially very long. I also showed this to my students so that as they're working on a particularly long document, they don't have to scroll. And for them, they're most of most of the time they're just using their you know their little touchpad, so it's super annoying. Uh, so you've got that built right in. There wasn't there's an add-on for it too, which I think I don't know if this came out before the show document outline button, but it's it's literally called the table of contents add-on for Google Docs. So if you just Google that, it's sort of like a more robust version of the same thing, but I found this super helpful. If it's something that you've been uh, wishing you had, it exists, so check it out. Yeah, that one's cool. I, I know that you said that you don't like it when I say that I used it already, but I'm going to say <laughs> no. it anyway. Oh, no. uh, for, for AP Bio, <laughs> every Sunday, I would send uh, that week's, you know, where we're going in that for that class for that week. And I would send it out and I got week one there and then I added week two on the next page and week three on the following page. Well, once we started getting to week 12, 13, 14, I was just like, uh, I don't want to scroll. So 
I changed, made a table of contents up at the top, and then they just click, you know, week 17, and that will take them straight down there. So I do love that. I, I do love that communication with my students. I like being able to email them on Sunday, wishing them a great weekend. I hope they had a great weekend. You know, this is something you have to look forward to in this class. So that's a great share. Uh, I'm going to do my first share. And this is actually an update with uh, Chrome. Uh, if you go up to any URL, so if you're, uh, you type in ESPN.com and you really want to make a QR code for that uh, URL, all you have to do is click on the URL so it's going to highlight it uh, and right next to it. So you, you probably know that there's a star on the right side of the URL box, but now right next to it, there is a QR code symbol. And you just click it, and then it automatically creates a QR code, which you could copy and paste into a document. I can tell by your face right now, you had no clue. I'm doing it right. I'm also doing it right now. It's so cool. There's a little dinosaur in the middle of this one. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a nice, easy way to share stuff out. How did you find that? Uh, I was listening to... Uh, it might have been Brian's recap. I'm not sure. Uh, it was it was on a podcast. It might have been Shooks and Gif uh, that I heard it heard it from. But uh, I I went and tried it, and I was like, "This is cool. Let's use it. Let's go." Yeah, that's so. really great. That's that's awesome. I'm going to be using that immediately. Here's another new one too. Again, in Google Docs, if you go to the Tools menu, so click on Tools. This is a new feature. I don't know how new, um, but there's a under the menu that pops up, it's called Compare Documents. And this lets you select a second Google Doc of your choice. And Google will automatically compare those two to see how similar they are. Obviously, this has tons of applications for a teacher. You know, if you're suspicious of something, your students may be copied from somewhere. Uh, this is another way that you have to check that. I know a lot of us are using things specifically for that purpose, like Turnitin and at least five others that I can think of. And they were, are, are probably easier. It's Better to use those if kids are in the habit of submitting that way. Personally, as a chemistry teacher, my students do some writing, not a whole lot. They do maybe a, a lab report or two per quarter. So I don't use Turnitin just because there's not a huge need for me. But this is nice to know that it's there for me on the very infrequent occasion that I do suspect something. I have this sort of compare document feature built right in to Google Docs itself. So I don't have to sign up for anything. I don't have to teach my kids to submit via some third party thing and hope that it works and hope that I can score them the proper way. It's just all right there. And I think it gives you, I've only tested it once, but it essentially gives you like a little report with a percentage of, you know, how similar that duck is to a second one of your choice. So I thought that was uh, kind of a nice thing for, you know, for us as teachers to be aware of. Yeah, that's, that's a great one. I'm not really big into those types of tools for the same reason as you, I mean, biology, we don't do that much uh, when it when it comes to writing. We do a lot of claims, evidence, reasoning uh, forms of a lab write up. But uh, I would definitely see the the use of this uh, this share. So that's a phenomenal one. I'm going to go into my next one, and this one was actually uh, told to us in Clubhouse, and that was uh, I believe you mentioned one tab in Clubhouse as a productivity hack, and someone else came back and said, "Well, now this is built into Chrome." So if Chrome is your browser, if you go up to any tab and you right click on it, you have a couple of things that pop up into that menu. And one of them is add tab to a new group. Uh, and what that will do is it will keep a, a collection of tabs just right there in your Chrome bar. And so when you open up a tab group, it will have those up at the top. 
it's a nice, easy way of getting organized. I uh, figure that's up your alley, Nick, because you are Mr. Organization and uh, I am Mr. Digital Slob. So maybe this is a way that we could compromise. It seems like a lot of these things now that maybe used to be extensions, perhaps Google has noticed them and is, is sort of building them in just as part of uh the Google platform itself, which is pretty cool. Yeah, and I'll, t- I'll tell you that uh, I'm still one tab all the way. I, yeah. It, until something gets as easy as that to save, share, whole package deal, I'm, I'm going to be a one tabber for, for a long time. So let me give you uh, two at once here because they're pretty similar. Go back to that tools menu in your Google Docs. And a lot of these apply to uh, Google Sheets and Slides as well. Uh, this first one definitely does. It's called Activity Dashboard. We may have actually mentioned this before on the show, but there's there's been times where I share something out with my students and I'm just a little curious or a little suspicious of how many of them actually viewed it and who's actually looking at that doc. If you have ever wondered that and you want a way to check, you can go to tools in the document and way at the bottom, there's a option called activity dashboard. Essentially, it's equivalent to if you have your own website, there's some kind of analytics associated with that site, right? Where you can see how many people have looked at it, what they've clicked on, it's it's that, but for your, your Google Doc. So it shows you the viewers, uh, in a list. So anybody that has logged in and viewed, you'll see their Google name. Uh, it shows you viewer trends. So it kind of has a little graph of unique views on like a per day basis. So I can see here on February 10th, the show notes that guys and I are using, it was viewed twice, obviously by us. And then today it was viewed twice again. So you can get like a day by day look at who's looking at the document. Um, there's also a comment trend. So you can see how many comments are being made. That's a little less useful because then I can also just look at the comments. Uh, but that's there too. Sharing history. You can see exactly who it's been shared by and when it's been shared, as well as at the very bottom, a look at some of the privacy settings. So I've found this marginally useful off and on, but it's definitely something that it's helpful to be aware of. That's the tools activity dashboard. And then a new discovery for me also in tools. If you go to tools preferences, there's something there called automatic substitution. This is equivalent to or or how most people know this is when you're typing a fraction. If you type one or one backslash two, uh, Microsoft Word or even Google Docs kind of recognizes that and automatically substitutes in like a nice formatted one half fraction because that's a really common thing to do. So they've said like, well, let's just do that across the board for everybody. But if there is things that you end up typing a lot that are a pain to format, and for me in the, in the science, I, I would imagine math teachers, maybe even foreign language teachers too, there's a lot of things that you have to go to some kind of special menu and insert special symbols. You can actually create automatic substitutions yourself. Uh, for me, I, I do a lot of typing degrees Celsius, degrees Fahrenheit because in chemistry, temperature is always sort of of concern in things that I'm typing out. And it's it's not super annoying, but it's a little bit annoying to have that superscript degree symbol and then the capital C degrees for the, for the Celsius. So I set an automatic substitution where when I hit the a lowercase o and then a capital C right after it, Google automatically turns that into the degrees Celsius symbol for me. And there, there, there's about 10 others that I just set up this morning that I was always kind of getting annoyed at having to format. And now it, it does it straight away. That's actually my favorite one here out of this little duo of things from the tools menu. So check out the uh, preferences 
automatic substitution. Yeah, that, that one's a great one. Uh, I'm telling you what, I'm impressed by what you're coming up with today. I know we haven't shared this, uh, any of these until like right before, but I had no clue what that one was all about. And phenomenal, phenomenal. That makes me feel great. What do you, what right. do you got, Nick? Uh, I'm going to go with a tool that we've mentioned many times, but this is a new branch of something that they've done. And this is something that I'm very excited about because student creation, students creating content, I'm, I'm a big fan of and I want more of it. Uh, so GimKit, one of our favorite gamification tools, has now made GimKit Inc. And GimKit Inc. is all about student creation. So basically, think about something that a student creates. They turn it into the teacher, the teacher grades it, they turn it back, and it's lost. Well, GimKit Inc. allows them, instead of turning it in, now they publish. There's no turn in, there's no submit, it's publish. It gets published either to the class board or it gets published and they will have a link in which uh, they'll be able to share with anyone else. They could share it on their social media, whatever they want to do, they could share their work. And I think it's pretty awesome. I made a video uh, this morning about it, just showing you how to use it. I'll post that on our YouTube channel before this uh, this episode gets uh, shared out to you know all of our podcast players. But uh, GimKit Inc. Yeah, that's a cool one. It definitely piqued my interest. I don't. You may have said this already, but that was shared at our our clubhouse uh, room yesterday by somebody, and it was just one of those things that caught my eye. And uh, now I'm super interested after watching your video and checking it out. So that's a, a neat one to be aware of. The next one that I've got has to do with sort of a unique situation. And this came out of something I was helping a teacher with, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, they were trying to grade or give feedback sort of rubric style on some student artwork. And this rubric was in Google Sheets. And the teacher wanted a simple, quick way to sort of display those rubrics or display that feedback from the Google Sheets. Um, and I'm not sure where she came up with this request, but she wanted to know if there's a way to get her Google Sheets information into Google Slides so that she could share it presentation mode and show the kids. You know, my immediate response was, well, yeah, of course, just co you can copy paste anything from anywhere. So I went to the to the Google Sheet where she had the rubric, highlighted the uh, the text or the whatever the cells were that she had the information in, control C, control V, back in to paste it back into the Google slide. And it works like you would expect. But here's the cool part. When you do that, the Google slide automatically asks you if you would like to link that spreadsheet to that slide. And what that means is if you select yes, you don't have to. You can just you can also just paste as like the that current information. But if you link them, that means as you edit in the spreadsheet, it also edits in the Google slide, which is really great because then if the Google sheet, which was her like main sort of uh, workspace where she was providing this feedback to students, she can still just keep working in that. And that information automatically also changes on the Google slide when she goes into presentation mode. Uh, so that's the only like current teacher use that I thought of just because that's sort of how it came up. But I'm sure there's lots of cool ways you could use this. Um, I know we've, I do, and you two guys, we do a lot of games and a lot of the times there's scores or timekeeping involved. If I have a Google slide that's being shared uh, with the class while they're playing the game and there's a Google sheet sort of tabulating values they could automatically be updating for me. So that uh, might have some cool cool uses with the uh, linking a 
Google Sheet to a Google Slide. And remember, it does it automatically after you copy paste. Pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. I'm going to go right into my next one. Uh, this is called Pixton edu it's a comic maker using avatars that you create so last year we had a lot of teachers that got into this bitmoji uh classroom craze where they're making all these bitmoji classrooms they made a bitmoji for themselves well uh, i know some teachers made a whole bunch of different uh, bitmoji accounts just so they could have a bitmoji for each one of their students well this Pixton EDU will do just that. It will allow you to make all these different uh, cartoon avatars. Uh, there's plenty of customization there. You can put them to backgrounds. You can do a lot of other cool things such as make comics uh, with all those avatars as well. So check out Pixton EDU. That's sweet. I'm going to do it. I'm sick of the, uh, can't even remember the name of it, but I'm sick of the comic creator I've been using for the past couple of years. So that's going to be a new one for me. Uh, before I, I share my next one, I got a question for you. Do you ever find it challenging to like, it's going to sound dumb, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Do you ever find it hard to open and start a brand new Google Doc, Google Sheet or Google Slide? Well, unless you use the shortcut, which... Uh... Let's see if that's what you're going to get into. I don't know. <laughs> I, I I don't know. I'd something weird. I, maybe because there's like so many ways to do it. Like I never know. Should I click the new button when I'm in my Google Drive? Should I click the little nine dot waffle icon and go to Google Docs? My brain just gets all flustered because there's like a thousand different ways to start a brand new Google Doc that I kind of get like stunned for a moment and just sit there like, wait, how am I going to? open and create this new doc is probably just a me problem, but I figured I'd check in with you anyway. But uh, I got a, I have another one for people. So it's probably the one that I'm going to use exclusively now because it's what my brain has latched onto. I hope this doesn't add to the confusion if anybody else out there is like me. But uh, if you're in Google Chrome, you open up a new tab and in the URL bar, you can simply type docs.new, sheets.new, slides.new, forms.new. Those are the only four that I tested, although I'm thinking you could do that with uh, really anything, uh, Google, because it seemed to work flawlessly with those four. Um, it automatically opens that new doc for you. So there's no, for me, it means I don't have to worry about how I'm going to do it because I have decided in my brain, this is the way I'm going to do it. And maybe, maybe somebody else out there is going to like that way too. That, that one's good. But for me, who already has a trouble organizing my docs and sheets and everything that I already created. I think I, I have to stick to the old tried and true, go into the folder, which I want it to be in and just hit new go that way. Otherwise I'm going to have 50,000 new Google whatever's in my, <laughs> my drive just stranded on the Island of no folder. Fair enough. So I think that's good especially when we're doing professional developments where we want to showcase something and we don't want to go through all that. And frankly, we're going to delete that test uh, document. Anyway, I think that that's the way to go for that for me anyway. Yeah, it's fast at least. So that's one, one thing that the other options don't have. All right. So as a tech specialist, media specialist, whatever my actual title is, I have no clue. One of the things that people keeps talking to me about is how they can get documentaries to their students. Uh, they they want to show a video that's not on YouTube. How can I do that? And my answer always is, I don't have a good answer for that. It, everything that you want to do probably breaks copyright law. And like, I'm not about that. I don't want anyone to break copyright law. 
All right, so you can't mass produce your Netflix to your students without having a license to do that. You can't do Amazon Prime. So what can we do? We can look on YouTube, see if there's anything there. But I did find this cool uh, documentary location that has a lot of free documentaries there. And it's uh, searchable by topic. So it's a collection of free documentaries. It's called Top Documentary Films. And you go there, and they have tons of documentaries there. You click on the one that you want, and it, it pops it up, and you're off to the races. You're, you're, you're playing that documentary. So me being, I, I love documentaries personally. Uh, if I find a topic that I'm interested in, uh, I just saw a Bitcoin um, documentary that I might have to check out just because that's something that I've been doing a lot of research about is Bitcoin. I've been talking, it's a big conversation among students as well. Uh, they're, they're interested about these cryptocurrencies. So I'm going to go over to doc, top documentary films and I'm going to check it out. Yeah, Bitcoin's killing it right now, right? It's, isn't it like way up? It's like 47,000 right now. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's why everyone's talking about it, but super cool. I'm on I'm on top documentary films as you're explaining it and it looks great, like recent stuff too. Not um I was just trying to see like the quality of some of these. This is the real deal. There's some really cool things in here, the insect apocalypse. I'm definitely going to be checking this out myself. Uh I'm going to give you guys two at once again cuz they're both pretty small. Um I know a lot of the time you know, I just want to do things fast, kind of along the same theme as my little trick for opening a new Google Doc. You know, if I'm in class and I want a timer, I'm not opening up some kind of, you know, timer app or clock app on my desktop. It's too clumsy. I go to Google, I type in timer or stopwatch, and it has it built in right into, you know, your Google.com, the, the search, the typical Google search. And there's tons of these little things. I found a new one that I thought is neat, and it's a virtual coin toss. So if you go to Google and in the search bar, type heads or tails, it brings up a little coin. You can click flip, and it randomly selects heads or tails for you. This is something that we do all the time in class just to pick who's going to speak or who's going to do what or who has this role. And especially in my virtual classroom. I don't have to worry about, you know, if I have any change, which I never do, who does? So I can just now Google heads or tails and let uh, let Google do it for me. So that was pretty cool. So uh, I, I use coins a lot in bio labs. So this is something that you could easily use in a bio lab to collect data. But uh, I just have one question, Nick. Mm. Heads or tails? Heads. Nope. It's tails. You want to try I always lose. Yeah, let's do one more. Heads again. Still tails. Come on, oh, man. One more. One more. Heads. <laughs> Still tails. Oh I mean, maybe this one's broken. I yeah, I'm, I'm not using it anymore. It obviously doesn't work. It's supposed to be random. Come on. Oh, there we go. I just got my first head. You got a heads. Okay. But that's out there if you've ever had the need in class. And the other one, also kind of a quick thing, and this is maybe more of a bone to pick in my personal life, but when you tell people you're, and this maybe is a any type of teacher, but I've just knows, noticed it from as a chemistry teacher perspective. Um, a lot of people think it's interesting because a lot of people think chemistry was super hard and they question why anybody would choose to do that with their life. Um, so that's the first comment you get. And the second comment you get, or not comment, uh, but the second thing that happens is they start asking you questions. Uh, the most recent one is somebody asked me, hey, so why is tea the color brown? Like I'm supposed to just have all this information like locked up inside my brain 
but it happens constantly. My students do it. My friends do it. Um, like I said, mostly it happens meeting new people because you're just trying to make conversation. And I always make a joke out of it because I'll make fun of that person for assuming that I just randomly know all of these facts. But in class, when my students do this, of course, you know, what do we want to enforce? We want to enforce them to them to be the researchers themselves. Uh, so there's actually a tool out there that you can sort of do this in like a funny, sarcastic way. I would only recommend this with older kids that are going to get the joke, but it's called, uh, it's called, let me Google that for you. And if, if you, this is a sort of a tongue twister, but if you Google that, let me Google that for you, it'll pop right up. It's a link. Um, essentially it's a Google search. Uh, so you type in the question that somebody has asked you annoyingly. So a student asks me a question that they can very easily find the answer to. I go to, let me Google that for you. I type in their question and it gives me the answer to that question, just like a normal Google search. But the sort of funny sarcastic part is that it turns that into a shareable link. So I can then share that link with my student and say, well, I don't know, but I just Googled it for you, which you could have also done. And here's the link to the answer that I got for you. Uh, so that's the let me Google that for you tool. If you're in kind of a snarky mood, you could share that with your kids or just annoy your friends. That works too. We, we used to ask Jeeves. Jeeves right. always told us the answer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So let's go into my last one. And, and one of the things that I've been trying to focus a lot on is uh, writing. I, I want to make sure that we support our writers uh, as, as best as we can. And that includes our English uh, educators as well. So this is a tool, it's called WriteAbout. And what it does is it engages students uh, to write more through creating prompts based on the content area, I guess. So there's, what it will do is it will provide you with these high interest curricular content topics and it will give students a safe space to basically uh, write about that that particular prompt. And then there's a place for feedback and re revision. And then there's uh, a lot of engagement and growth data. So it's a way for teach. It's a tool that will help um, students improve their writing skills through prompts and, and improves things, uh, not only just the, the writing skills, but digital, digital literacy and digital citizenship, which are all big things that, um, you know, we're trying to push to our students, especially in this digital, digital era. I don't know why I can't say digital, but there we go. Got it. There you got it. Yeah, this is cool. It looks like uh, that's a big thing for them is like, uh, you know, the idea of that digital literacy and being a good citizen when you're online. And, and the, I like the safe publishing aspect of that, too, because that's something that you don't have, you know, in, in the real world of sharing your written work online. So it's sort of a neat, safe space for your kids. And I'll wrap it up with my last one that kind of links to that also having to do with writing um, and in particular writing prompts. That's kind of what I thought this would be neat for. If you need a, a, a neat creative prompt to start some sort of a, a writing activity in your class, there's something called the Ngram Viewer. That's capital N-G-R-A-M. So Ngram Viewer, if you just Google it, it'll pop up or in the show notes along with pretty much everything else we've mentioned. Uh, but what the Ngram Viewer does is you can search any word or any phrase or name, pretty much anything you want. And it searches and creates a graph of how often that word has been used in books over the past, 
I don't know, I've seen it go back like 200 years. So starting in like the early 1800s is the earliest one that I've noticed. Um, probably just before that, they don't have good digital records of, of writing in books, but it's really cool. So I, ju- I just tried some. I think I did football and the word football kind of peaked in like the 1950s and sort of slowly dropped off since then with a slow, like a little bit of an uptick in the 90s. Just what a neat way to start some kind of writing activity, posing the question, you know, why is that? What do you think about that? What could the historical implications of this be? Uh, I typed the word environment, which uh, oddly enough peaked in like 1998 and then sort of been trailing down ever since. What does that mean? I mean, the the discu- even as a discussion starter, uh, there's there's a lot of ways you could take it. And it's just a cool thing. Honestly, it's a cool to know that it's out there and, and your kids might just get some interest in it that way. So check out the Google Books Ngram viewer. And I think that's all we all we came up with. Do you want to wrap this one up for us? Well, I got to wrap it up, but I don't know why, but this Ngram viewer is reminding me of uh, PowerPoint charades or okay. karaoke. PowerPoint karaoke where, you know, I don't know if you've ever done this, but you put these pictures on PowerPoint slides. You're not singing anything. Okay. Uh, so say you're, you're sitting around with 15 buddies and you're, you're, you're all together and you're doing like a holiday work party or something like that. And the host just, uh, their job is to switch the slides randomly and uh, they'll call on somebody and they'll have to explain the, the slide like they're a professional at it. They've never seen the slide. And it, it's almost like in Practical Jokers, sometimes there's a challenge in that in which, uh, you know, they have to do a presentation in front of people. It's kind of like that, but you can do one of those uh, searches for a word, get that graph and put it into uh, a PowerPoint presentation. And to be honest, I've done stuff like this. I want my students to be able to read graphs and understand graphs. And I always say that, um, graph should tell a story. If you really understand it, you should be able to tell the story of the graph. So I think that's a great exercise, kind of a fun, relaxing way of getting them to really dig deep at, at a graph as well. So I will wrap it up. If you like the content that we are producing, please make sure that you're telling uh, some of your colleagues and friends about it. Anyone that you think that would find this content useful. Uh, You could follow us on Apple Podcasts. You can go check out our content on any major podcast player. Uh, We are building out our YouTube channel to show some of these tools and how we use them. So go check us out on YouTube and uh, check us out on our uh, webpage, which is www.gottech.com, or over on Twitter, Nick's at Nick Got Tech. I'm at Geist Got Tech, and our podcast is at We Got Tech. So until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll check you later. Thanks for listening to Got Tech, the podcast. Remember to subscribe to our show and follow us at We Got Tech on Twitter so you can stay up to date with the latest episode releases, blog posts, product reviews, and PD announcements. You can also follow Geist and I individually at Geist Got Tech and at Nick Got Tech on Twitter or on Instagram at Nick Got Tech. Finally, remember to check out our website, gottech.com, where we post all our episodes, articles, and resources available to you for free. Until next time.